have a little red rose tea with this podcast and uh, I am just recovering from a long trip so if I sound tired um, and I'm just trying to touch stuff that I should Basically, man, uh, I don't know, fishing kind of saved my life, actually. Welcome to the H2O podcast. Filming and fishing, competitive bass fishing, filmmaking, and uh, we talk about the psychology, the drama, the trauma and the life uh, around uh, fishing, especially competitive bass fishing at the grassroots level. My name is D.L. Stiffarm. I am your <clears throat> I am your host, and you just heard uh, Chris Fiore. I met Chris uh, at the TBF National Championships in Shreveport, Louisiana. we fished against the top grassroots anglers in the TBF league from across the country. And I can tell you right now, Chris Fiore is an authentic uh, pro. Um, Chris is from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, he was born and raised there and uh, his story, um, he kindly allowed me to capture his story and uh, his knowledge, experience, and insights into competitive bass fishing and how he um, got to this level. Because it gets lonely out here, dude. I mean, all this time on the road by myself, I enjoy it. You know, I get to, when I leave, I get to, I'm lucky, you know, I get to, I get to leave all that other stuff behind. Yeah. You know, and come out here and just focus on the task at hand. But uh, yeah, when things aren't going well, man, <laughs> when you're out here expecting all these great things and you're fishing all day, every day, and it's not, people think, you know, fishing, it's not, oh, it's, it's not like a physical, dude, you come out here for 16 hours a day, every day, from sun up to sundown, and your mind is constantly thinking of how you can go and catch a fish. It's, I'm not like right now, I'm not blindly casting. So like you get exhausted, your knees, your back, your wrists, your shoulders. So it just gets difficult, man. But I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. front of the boat for many, many tournaments. Um, at the divisional level, um, probably about eight or nine times, maybe more. Um, at the national level, I've never done a front of the boat event, but I've now done one from the back of the boat. 
And uh, the reason I was fishing in the back of the boat, I was really fortunate uh, that I spun my prop at the Bass Western Championships last October. Now, a lot of guys wouldn't think I was fortunate. Actually, at the time, I really didn't appreciate it uh, because I was very frustrated after all the work I'd put in to get ready for the uh, Western Championships down in Las Vegas. Um, after day one, I spun my prop. Now, it was a little challenging. I was in the Narrows. Those of you guys who fished the um, out of Lake Mead, uh, Colville Bay is where a lot of the tournaments launch out of. And so I launched out of Colville Bay, headed into the Narrows, um, had a couple top water spots that I thought would uh, be on that morning. And uh, I was fortunate to catch two um, pretty good largemouth uh, right away. Um, but then I spun my lower unit um, and had to troll the motor back over to Colville Bay most of the day. Got in there and uh, fished the second down the trolling motor and I missed the cut by uh, three ounces. Um, that then put me in the back of the boat at CJ Strike where I had a chance to fish with Roger Stringer um, and Roger took me into the back of a, of a area in that lake. Um, there's several areas you can fish throughout the system. Um, I've fished there twice and done fairly well, um, both in the main river channel and in the Bruno arm. I noticed in 2021, <clears throat> there were some humps out in front of the channels that uh, more and more drop shop fishermen were finding. And uh, those were really effective when I fished the, um, the uh, first TBF divisionals there. Um, I think it was 2010. So after the CJ Strike Northwest um, Championships, um, I had a chance to go as a non-boater to the Nationals, which I talked about in the last podcast, and I really talked about some of the filmmaking and uh, the media we're working on, a lot of the efforts that my company's putting forward to help promote grassroots fishing. And the opportunity to go and fish in the TBF National Championships was key to that effort. It allowed me to capture media around guys like Chris Fiore. Is it worth living now? They told me dreams come true once you live it out. I picked up pieces from my childhood in a broken house and healed my soul from the trauma we've been given now. I hear the whispers in the wind. Part of that is trying to achieve this dream, man. I mean, he, you know, I see those guys way on stage and all the Bassmaster Elite series and, you know, Pro Tour and stuff. And, you know, that's my dream, man. Like, I, I'll tear up when a guy wins a Bassmaster Classic. I mean, because it's not that I'm, you know, I'm happy for them, but I envision myself doing that same thing, and that will get me overwhelmed, and that's what drives me. 
told me show a little skin just to make it out They told me grind until I doubt, till I reach the clouds Excuse me a little moment while I break out Never let them take me out Chris shared his life's experience, his knowledge, and insights into the tournament, how to become a competitive bass fisherman, uh, what he does, uh, and shares a lot of that information right on his own YouTube channel, um, Fiori Fishing. I'm gonna put Chris on a podcast and also the YouTube channel here on probably the next one or shortly after that. I'm putting together several films about the event and I'm gonna try and package it in a way where people can see the event um, in a, a fairly uh, cinematic uh, video style. Uh, if y'all uh, have looked at my YouTube channel, White Clay Films, you kinda know my style and uh, I continue to expand and, and utilize um, uh, a lot of the collaborative experiences that I've had uh, making films and working with others. Know that you a target and gotta finish what you started. Life of being an artist, gotta show them where your heart is. Put your all in, keep calling, keep going, don't stop. The current YouTube filmmaking community is really open. Those of you who are interested in developing media or film, podcasts, videos, um, whatever it may be, um, now's the time. Um, there's so much knowledge and instruction out there on everything from how to get yourself started to editing to doing a, a lot of the things that I do. Um, although, like being a competitive bass fisherman, uh, you really don't have anything else. If you're a filmmaker and a fisherman, I literally can tell you right now, I do nothing else. I sleep when I can, and I travel like I did back from Shreveport, Louisiana with Jason Crone. Uh, I want to thank Jason uh, on his podcast uh, and personally uh, apologize for my um, uh, misunderstanding of Mr. Crone. Jason started fishing uh, at the time when I had uh, taken some time off from fishing uh, to assist my family with my grandmother's illness. Uh, she had Alzheimer's and uh, uh, at that time I kind of pulled back and Jason really uh, had surged forward and uh, after this trip I really discovered why. I had uh, probably like most people, I had underestimated um, Jason to a, uh, to a degree in certain areas. And uh, there aren't a lot of guys that I've ever met who have um, put in the amount of uh, just all around well-balanced effort from a very mature standpoint to develop his competitive bass fishing skills. And those of you who know Jason um, and who have fished against him are probably coming to the realization that uh, he is extremely difficult to compete against. Uh, he is a well-rounded angler. Uh, he's balanced. 
Uh, he is uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally very strong and confident. And as he expands his knowledge of places like the Red River in Shreveport, Tennessee, or excuse me, in Shreveport, Louisiana, pardon me, uh, those people in the, in the great state of Louisiana, um, and we'll talk about uh, how beautiful it was to fish down there. But um, I rode back with Jason, so I really had a chance to really uh, hear a lot about him, and I actually captured a lot of it on film. Let's get it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. You you solidified. You know, you made it all of every month. You're like, well, gosh, you know how many events you have to go through, or what what you know you have to beat to get to it. And you're like, God, I wonder if I'll ever get there again. Right here again. Right here again. Right here again. Just putting it down. That's the goal. Come out with a win. If not, you know, clap for that guy who does, because he's probably going to be. You know, a guy that you're going to know until an old age. Uh, the, the best part, you know, that my third fish, I bombed a Sanko that I had thrown all tournament, all practice, but I watched the fish were biting. They were really, I was watching fish get uh, caught all over, all around me, <laughs> all drooling. And I watched the guy, you know, down the bank, he, he caught him at the, these highest and patch along the bank and I was 70 yards away and I winded my back. I, I bombed a Sanko and hit right and looked over and talked to my co-angler, looked back up, my line's running and set the hook. Um, Chris, your day one boater, he's right there. He's he's watching and uh, he watched me reel and reel and reel and reel. Uh, I've never brought in a in, it was a five pound largemouth, but I'd never brought a fish that far in, in that shallow water, you know, a 70 yard minimum, <laughs> you know? So we were all laughing. I honestly said, I said, because right before that, I said, you feel free to come around me. I can't move, I, I don't have a trolling motor. And he said, ah, oh, no problem. And as soon as that, I caught a five right in front of him. I said, sorry. I said, that does make me feel better, you know? So that, that just, it just shows you that's, I mean, keep at it. Do not stop. If you, you know, there's sometimes where you just have to, you're just out, but I wasn't. And uh, also, I have red hair, but I didn't. So I'm gonna create a little podcast for him as well, and we'll help uh, share uh, his knowledge of, I mean, really how you come up strong in the competitive bass fishing world, because he has, and uh, he is a proven, proven um, competitive angler at any level. Uh, I can tell you that right now. Um, <clears throat> but we had to return back from Shreveport after fishing a mega event. And um, I'm gonna talk about the event uh, and how it went on the water, but I'm gonna help the guys um, like Chris, uh, Steve Lund, uh, Michael Dean, uh, Jason Crone, and some of the other guys I talked to at the event, I have them on camera. I'm gonna have them help me tell this story as we go through these podcasts. So I'm gonna organize it as best I can and uh, try not to, uh, um, try not to deviate from telling a, a pretty efficient story. I listened to some of the podcasts that I shot before or that I, I, I recorded before I came down. 
And uh, thank you for those of you who have given me feedback on my podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, your um, comments have helped me quite a bit. And I think that I can kind of be a little bit uh, more um, expressive and communicative. Although anybody who knows, uh, who's listened to me or talked to me, um, a lot of times I can get off into discussing areas or tangents that um, may sometimes seem off base. Um, but, I, but trust me, um, they have meaning. I try not to spend time rambling about anything in here. And in my life, I attempt very, very uh, carefully not to have wasted words. Um, I've noticed at times one of the struggles that, that the uh, younger competitors may have at uh, an event like this is an idea in their mind that what someone else may think of them. For example, an opinion, a judgment, a, uh, um, I don't know, a uh, attitude <laughs> has absolutely no meaning to who you are. The authenticity of who you are is not put forward by someone else's thoughts about you. congratulate uh, those every single one of the competitors and um, uh, commend and, uh, and tell everyone out there that these individuals were as I expected <laughs> some of the best guys that you will ever ever meet in uh, this great land of, of uh, fishermen and outdoorsmen and, and all the kind of things we love to do and, and are provided with the freedom uh, to do. So um, the event was grueling and it took a lot of days, but the trip I had back with Jason Crone was just phenomenal. And uh, probably one of the reasons is, is we'll discuss how it turned out. Um, and I'll kind of go through the event. I want to start with uh, Chris Fiore first because uh, Chris drew me and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Chris and uh, I'm going to get some clips of Chris in here because um, he's really uh, was, was, he was really, really open and sharing about things. And that's one of the things I think that this podcast will bring through, how these guys shared a lot of stuff and a lot of knowledge. I wanna thank TVF and their support of the Grassroots Angler. The tournament was very, very well organized. Uh, the event itself was, uh, even though the river and the environment and the fishing and the competitors, everything challenged us to levels that is not just about fishing. And it really, I think, 
I knew this going there. I have fished events uh, in the TBF where the challenges you face can be uh, create uh, tremendous success or uh, end your, your, your tournament very quickly if you're not prepared for what you're facing. I was gonna come down to practice and then we hit that cold front. I called them, they're like, I was like, I don't think I can get down there. I was like, it's too risky, man. You know, I don't, I don't have, like I said, I don't have sponsors. I don't have money backing me, you know, a lot, most of the money is me, my dad, you know, if something crazy is to happen on the road, you know, and I need help, he'll help me, obviously, you know, but like, I was like, I come down here, I wreck my truck, or I wreck my boat. And then it's the same thing with like trying to, they bring us to this water and it's like, dude, if I break a, like, take me to a place where I have the chance of messing up my boat, you know, destroying a $20,000 motor, $30,000 motor, you know, rip off a lower unit, like stuff like that could end my season. That's not just gonna end my tournament. You know, like the pros, they hit that, they're up and running the next day. We don't have a support crew here or anything like that. And it's like, I mean, that could ruin my season. And that's what the Red River did. The area was beautiful. I've never fished against gators, and I saw five, four, five, six, seven, eight, 12 foot gators. Swimming alongside of the boat as I cast the stumps. Uh, for largemouth bass. Uh, the bass had a beautiful color in them, especially when they were getting ready to spawn. The green lines in them were just incredibly, it was just amazingly beautiful how well they could define themselves based on the, uh, the, the, the different type of vegetation in the lake and the color of the sand, and it was kind of a reddish mud. Um, the people of Shreveport, Louisiana were so very gracious and supportive and nice and man, it is down home southern, you know, hospitality. Like you would not believe. Everywhere we went, people were very, very supportive and they asked the best questions and they weren't too intrusive uh, and they uh, stood back and let us have a, an exciting tournament on their lake. So I want to thank the people of uh, Shreveport and the state of Louisiana. Um, the entire event was uh, really amazing. Everything down from the the areas where we stayed down by the water, to the guys at the locks that helped us through, um, to the uh, uh, the local sheriff that helped uh, herd the ducks out of the way, the stubborn ducks that wouldn't get out of the dock. So thank you all. And I want to also thank the folks at South Lake Marina. Um, those uh, those individuals were really uh, kind, and uh, we went in there. There wasn't a lot of access to anything down by the lake because it is designed for tournament fishing. It's really designed for guys to pull up their boats, 100 guys to pull up their boats, be stationed in cabins, and fish a tournament, and that's what we did. So thank you all for being uh, so supportive in that, in that area, but especially TBF. Um, I really believe that the grassroots anglers are the heart of competitive bass fishing.
There were 700 high school anglers attempting to get to the, the Louisiana High School Championship. And all of those young men were, uh, you know, putting their heart and soul into going out there and practicing amongst these giant gators. Uh, and uh, God bless their fathers for uh, uh, toting them around in their boats. And uh, they were tremendously respectful of us on the final day, uh, staying out of the way of the anglers and uh, also, uh, you know, really uh, asking the guys, you know, like, what, are, what is it like to be out there fishing and what are you guys looking for? But uh, every one of those guys, they man, they just looked like... Uh, they look like the kind of guys I grew up with, those guys that all they want to do is fish from the time the sun comes up until the time the sun goes down. And in a day and age where we have a perplexing amount of information and data that's being sold and delivered through the media and our phones and everything that everybody on this podcast is aware of, the reason you can hear my voice right now is because we've converted our society into a digital communication web. Everything on this planet, everything is encircled by a web that is connected to everything. And when you really look at it, when you really think at it, the complexity of that network, that web that ties us all together is here. And it allows you to hear my voice. It also allows our children to compare themselves to things that are not real. Ideas, beliefs, attitudes, opinions, all of those things that they see out there are not related to them. That's not them. It has nothing to do with them. And yet they will somehow believe that if they're not getting enough attention on social media or they're um, judged, shamed, or criticized in those worlds, that that somehow has some meaning to who they are, and it does not. It does not. <laughs> Anybody that suggests to you that uh, someone else's opinion has any effect on your existence is not being honest. believe what you want. When you see these young men out on the water focusing on the air, the wind, the vegetation, the water moccasins, the 10-foot gators, the thick muddy red river, the 700 stumps across the the fields, the, uh, the locks, everything they have to pay attention to, it, it makes them acute. Their sensitivity of the world grows. They're not masked over by some delivered media that lulls them to sleep. So as I stated, the reason these guys become unique and special individuals is not because uh, they're superior. because they were drawn 
to a pursuit that is locked somewhere deep in their DNA. And when they get on that pursuit, I know what these young men turn into. They turn into confident, experienced, mature, honest, competitive fishermen. And that's what I saw in Shreveport. It was pretty amazing. And I can even tell you, these guys took on the treachery of the Red River. The backwaters were where everybody was trying to get to. Uh, in practice, uh, Chris talked a little bit about, you know, maybe what we were going to do. But I'll be straight honest with you, Fiore. Uh, you hid what you were up to. <laughs> I mean, I got a mixture of rods here and stuff. I'll tell you right now, Lin, I, I'm slowly building up my, my G. Loomis collection. Right. And those, I mean, yeah, they're good. They're great rods. But, you know, I like to educate. You know, I take a bunch. Of, I got a lot of my friends back in the day into fishing. Why do you think you first Well, the whole, I mean, ever since I was young, you know, my dad fished G. Loomis rods, and I've just used them. And as I started really getting into it more, a lot of the other rods just don't compare, you know? And I mean, they're sensitive, they're light, they're durable. I mean, they do everything I need them to do. I mean, I can feel, there's so many bites I feel with that rod that I would never feel with like this rod right here. This isn't like a hundred dollar rod. You know, I mean, most. And stuff. it was great because then it allowed me to mic you up and kind of film you. So in practice, uh, you know, I really didn't pick up a rod a whole bunch during that practice day. So we went down to um, the Bass Pro Shops in um, Shreveport and they have, I mean, a great staff. And I was really impressed with the selection. A lot of times you show up to a tournament with this many guys in a town that's a fishing town like Shreveport and uh, it's hard to find the right baits. But uh, this Bass Pro Shop was stocked uh, very, very well. Um, I found exactly the things I was looking for. I was, I knew I wanted to throw a spinnerbait when I went down there. Um, I can show you, which I will in my film. I had a little stack of like tester baits that I wanted to pull out. That spinnerbait that I basically caught probably 80% um, of my fish on, um, I pulled out right away and uh, and dialed that in with the Kitek. Um, but, you know, Bass Pro Shop carried some of those same spinner baits, and I'm not great at tuning baits on the water, I'll tell you that right now. I can do it, it just, I literally, when it starts to go off, I just want to take them off and put a new one on there and start throwing. I, I, tuning baits on the, during the tournament hours is just a little bit, it's a little bit too much extra time for me. Um, so, also is retying, but I'm pretty quick at flipping out um, spinner baits, as most guys are. Uh, the other thing I threw, um, uh, thank you to Chris, was a buzz bait. Um, I watched Chris throw a buzz bait, and as soon as I saw him do that, I knew buzz baits would work. Um, so we went ahead and uh, dialed in a, bu a buzz bait bite alongside of a spinner bait bite. Those bass were moving way into the back, and so having that opportunity to go to the bass pro shops, you know, after we'd kind of, after I kind of had looked around after two days of practice, it was a really, 
it was really great to see those baits hanging in there. The other thing they had was some beavers that a lot of guys were throwing. Um, some guys were throwing Senkos. Um, you know, it's pre-spawn, almost spawn. Uh, the barometric pressure was stabilizing. The water was warming. It was clearing up a little bit, although that Red River is a muddy and red, just like the Southern Rivers would be. Um, a lot of the Western guys, uh, you know, I think were maybe a little intimidated by that, but not that much. These guys at every level were ready for this tournament. And uh, you, if you even blinked for a second, um, guys would come in and, and be right on the best spot and catching good fish. So there was no, um, there was no backing off other than having to fish, fish, and fish, and really design. So you kind of want to know what got me here, eh? <laughs> ah! Basically, man, uh, I don't know, fishing kind of saved my life, actually. Uh, you know, I, I was doing some not so smart things. But then, uh, you know, I did a lot. I worked for landscaping companies and things like that. But then my dad, uh, about four years ago, ooh, he uh, got in a motorcycle accident. And now he's paralyzed from the neck down. So we take care of him. But that kind of, as, as bad as that sounds, you know, that kind of gave me the opportunity to do this. Because, you know, I was doing things I didn't like to do, like the types of type of work, landscaping. I do it for myself, but I just, I didn't like working for someone else. Practicing with Chris was something that I could have never have orchestrated. That's uh, done so by the TBF as they draw us together um, through kind of a random process, making sure we're not fishing with anybody from our home state um, and uh, pairing the anglers up for the competition. We spent one day of practice with Chris and I spent uh, the first day on the water with him and uh, that he uh, and I will be very honest. Having drawn Chris, I think allowed me to um, be fairly competitive in this event. So I want to thank you, Chris, and I want to thank you guys for listening to this uh, portion of the podcast. I'm going to end it here, but I will let you know this. The next uh, section of the podcast, we're going to hear more from uh, Chris Fiore and his story. And as I said in the beginning, um, Chris is as authentic, competitive, high level, any level of competition in this country, world, or universe. If Chris applies himself, his natural abilities, his instinctual DNA, his mental and emotional foundation and integrity would make him very difficult to beat at any tournament anywhere. 
So we'll learn a little bit more about Chris Fiore in the next podcast, and you'll learn a little bit more about the Red River. I'll tell more about the story, and I hope you guys listen because I'm going to come up with some of the results of how this tournament turned out. The top seven boaters and the top seven non-boaters move on to the BFL All-American. When I first started bass fishing, there were two events that just I was amazed at, several events um, that I was amazed at. The Forest Wood Cup being one of them. The Bassmaster Classic, of course. But the All-American was something I thought, man, you just have to win and win and win and win to get there. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, just an invitation or, you know, get in the rotation and, and eventually you'll make it to the, the Classic. This is, this is something else. It's, it's something that the level of, like I said, attrition is phenomenal. And the guys that get a chance to fish at the BFL, All-American, are, uh, are special. So we'll kind of talk about how this TBF National Championship rolled out, how the divisions um, fared, and what individuals um, surged forward to make it to the cut to fish on day three and be invited to the All-American. So I want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast by listening, um, checking out our YouTube channel at White Clay Films. And we're going to release a film of this event with all these guys that I'm talking to and talking about. Um, that'll be in the YouTube um, video. I've already started working on the production and it's going to take me a little time. I had, uh, I can't even explain to you the amount of hours of film I have. And just, uh, you know, I had to back that up, get it uploaded. I have to start looking through it. Um, I've started putting together the tournament in a way that I believe uh, will um, capture the event uh, and, and allow all the grassroots angling guys and fans and everybody out there to, to kind of see how this thing went down. Also, um, we are working on a couple other film projects, but the really big one is the equanimity the nature of competitive bass fishing. We're going to shoot that film around some anglers from Montana going to the US Open to fish against, you know, some of the top proven legendary anglers in the country. So lots of fun, lots of filming and lots of fishing. And uh, we appreciate everybody that supports us and watches or, or listens to this and watches our YouTube channel. Also, um, we have a website, uh, whiteclayfilms.com, where you can kind of check out our production schedules, uh, look at some of the anglers that have been in the films, get some bios, and I'm gonna kind of move this podcast over there. So it'll be a little easier to, for people to find at that location. You know, we also are working on some gear and, uh, you know, film uh, funding opportunities. We uh, are committed to the grassroots anglers and uh, your support of us is how we get it done. So thank you so very much for listening. And uh, I want you to listen to this next podcast because we're going to hear a lot from Chris Fiore. So thank you guys so much. Uh, I wish you the best and thank you for listening. Peace. <laughs>